Welcome to Cabin Devils. My name is David, and like I said, we are having Mr. Peter Wadanga continue with his series on grief, and uh, I'm glad that you guys are here. I was looking at this favorite author of mine, Oswald Chambers. By the way, I would encourage you to just check out his website and see if you can subscribe uh, to receive uh, constant or regular emails on some of his uh uh, devotions that he does. I think it's it's interesting. And uh, the one I'm looking at is for the 23rd of June is the date for this particular one. And it's entitled Acquaintance with Grief. Acquaintance with Grief. Of course, picking it up from uh, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3, talking about Christ. So many years ago, before he actually showed up here on earth, he was described as a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. I do have friends on this show. I do have very good friends on this show, but I also have acquaintances and uh, people who I have never met, literally, but we are friends. We are acquainted, if I can put it uh, that way. And this is a description that is given to Christ. He's a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. I don't think that is something I'd actually thought about until today that uh, he had a relationship with grief. He had a relationship with sorrow. He's known as a man of sorrows. That's that's something to, for us to really uh, pause a bit and take it in. But this is what Oswald Chambers says. We, he says, we are not acquainted with grief in the way in which our Lord was acquainted with it. We endure it. We get through it. We do not become intimate with it. At the beginning of life, we don't reconcile ourselves to the fact of sin. We take a rational view of life and say that a man, by controlling his instincts and by educating himself, can produce a life which will slowly evolve into the life of God. That is what we think. But as we go on, we find the presence of something which we have not taken into consideration, and that is sin. And you may be wondering, those of you who are listening right now, where are you getting with this? I thought you were talking about grief and sorrows. Where are we going now again with sin? Just hold in there. Just hang in there. And it says, and it upsets all our calculations. Sin has made the basis of things wild and not rational. We have to reconcile that sin is a fact and not a defect. Sin is red-handed mutiny against God. Either God or sin must die in my life. The New Testament brings us right down to this one issue. If sin rules in me, God's life in me will be killed. If God rules in me, sin in me will be killed. There's no possible ultimate but that the climax of sin is that it crucified Jesus Christ. And what was true in the history of God on earth will be true in the history, in your history and in mine. In our mental outlook, we have to reconcile ourselves to the fact of sin as the only explanation as to why Jesus Christ came and as the explanation of the grief and sorrow in life. Just take a minute and go back to Genesis with me and find out the origin of sorrow and grief. It was actually sin. And I think once we go back there, we will know that indeed Christ 
gave us the victory, literally handed us victory over sorrow and sin. Mr. Peter Odanga, you are welcome to the show. Question number one, really, uh, just before you start, what blessing, honestly, can come out of grief? Just give me one. You know those secondary school questions in uh in uh, okay, primary school, SST, I said, name three points. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> just give me three blessings, honestly, that can come out of grief. Because just like our title for today, Blessed Are Those Who Mourn, and the subtitle down there is like, seriously, because really there doesn't seem to be any blessing that can come out of grief. Just name for me three um, mm-hmm. blessings that can come out of grief, Mr. Peter. Okay, first of all... Um one blessing is that uh, you will have gone full cycle um, through the process. And uh, mm. if you truly loved someone uh, or if you, if you had something was dear to you, loss is, 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 you cannot run away from loss. And so that will help you. Secondly, mm. it is healthy. It is healthy because, as we will see today later in our study, when you suppress and repress, uh, it turns out to depression. So mm. it, it keeps you very, very healthy. Uh, another blessing is that you can, you can rejoice the memories of, of whatever you're going through. There are some Parts, there are people, some, in part of grief, you can grieve for you laugh when you think of the good moments and what mm. happened. Mm. Uh, and it also it also prepares you to minister to others. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it prepares That's, you to minister to others. I think that last point right there is, is quite important. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't find the verse right now. Maybe if someone can help me find it. I think it's 2 Corinthians. Mm-hmm. Um, that talks about it's it's a prayer like may the God of comfort comfort you that in the same way you may comfort others. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's interesting that He comforts us so that we may we may comfort us. In our first session, that's part one of uh, when we looked at grief. You did mention that uh, um, it's not just a loss of life that sometimes mm-hmm. we we we. We, we we grieve or it's not the only source of pain, but it could be a loss of a job, it could be stuff being stolen uh, from your uh, from your from your house, it could be a uh-huh. heartbreak, um, uh-huh. a relationship coming to one end. Um, uh-huh. It could be a marriage, by the way. I've I've seen people get into very, very serious conditions um, uh-huh. uh, because of separation. Um, they get yeah. very sick because it just, it's, it's, I mean, that relationship of a husband and wife is, is something that the scripture holds so dearly um, to the point that any split feels like someone just tore your leg off. Yeah. Um, but the question I really have is considering whatever situation someone will be going through right now, um, whatever the point of loss could be or the fear of loss I was looking at uh, C.S. Lewis's uh, statement, and he said that uh, no one told me that grief is the same as fear. Um, right. Why? Because the, the feelings sound almost the same. And mm-hmm. in your speaking just to us a few minutes ago, you did mention 
And you mentioned the word that was leading to my second question on depression. Now, I do not know if you'll cover this fully at some point, either today or on Wednesday, but I would like us to to know, um, on one end, we are looking at the scriptures and are saying, blessed are those who mourn. And you want to be in that place where blessings are coming to you. But I'm also afraid that... Uh, these, I don't want to call them curses, but there's disadvantages that come with grief. And one of them is depression. And depression can lead you to very weird places. It can, can cause suicidal thoughts. It can lead you to uh, being malnourished, you're not eating, or you can lead to overeating in some cases, mm-hmm. but it leads you to very, very difficult places. You You could actually be uh, diagnosed with other diseases out of depression. When do I know, Peter, that um, I'm heading towards depression? It's no longer grief. It's no longer uh, a simple thing we can we can take for granted. When do I know that I'm heading towards depression? And when do I seek other help away from me? Uh, I, I do remember a point you made on day one when we were looking at grief that we need other people around us. We need the body of Christ around us. We cannot overcome these things by ourselves. But when do I know I'm heading towards depression and how do I how do I come out of it? How do I come out of it, Mr. Peter? Yeah, um, that's a very, very good question. And uh, let me first start by admitting that uh, as a church, as a society, we've made it very hard for people to be able to share what they are going through. And uh, because of that, um, most people go through depression silently. It's like swallowing a bullet. Uh, They go through it silently, but there is no good environment to share uh, because they'll feel they'll be considered unspiritual. And uh, you'll remember last week we said uh when you know that you're going through grief and uh, irrespective of the nature of it, you need to drink water, you need to eat, you need to exercise. I did emphasize that if you don't make time for your wellness, you'll be forced to make time for your illness. And so the moment you're going through grief, these are, these are signals that you'll see. They'll, they'll be sent to your body and you'll see how you want to draw from people. You'll see how uh, for you it's no longer, you don't want to share. And you, 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 it is very easy for you to know that you are, you are getting there. Mm. And for some people, when you are talking about it, when you're asking questions, what is depression? The truth is that's a very good signal you need to get there because there's some there's a change. But if you're not eating well, you're not drinking, you're not exercising, you're not resting, uh, the body is shutting down. It's sending a very important signal, and you need help. You need help. Mm. So it's mm. it's it's it it makes uh, the only person who can help you out of depression is first for you to scream for help and say, guys, I need help. Some people might not know how to help you, but that's a very important step to start with. Mm-hmm. In other words, you will know. A part of you would have changed, habits would have changed, 
Exactly. And I like how you've ended there that the first step is okay to seek help. That others may mm-hmm. even be afraid uh, to help, mm-hmm. maybe afraid they don't know where to start. But when you say guys I need help, it's it's a it's a huge it's a huge step uh, to take. Mm-hmm. Let every heartbreak and every scar be a picture that reminds you who has carried you this far. Because love sees further than you ever could. In this moment, heaven's working everything for your good. Be encouraged by that song. Be encouraged that God knows uh, what we are going through. I love the words of C.S. Lewis when he said, we are promised sufferings. They were part of the program. Uh, We were told, blessed are they that mourn, and I accept it. I have got nothing that I haven't bargained for. Of course, it is different when the thing happens to oneself, not the other, and in reality, and not an imagination. That's when the rubber meets the road. Once again, allow me to welcome Mr. Peter to share with us exclusively what he has prepared. But Mr. Peter, allow me to pray for you and uh, as we get into our time together. Father, we thank you um, for our time here. Uh, we know that these are not topics that we usually talk about on the pulpit. These are not topics that whose answers are common to us every day. And yet the pain is real. The heart um, is real. And, and, and we do not know uh, what to do. We can only depend on you. And so even as we talk about uh, mourning, we know that you did talk about it. We know that you, uh, through scripture, are known as a man of sorrows, uh, acquainted with grief. And we pray uh, that uh, we too will um, just become stronger um, uh, through these different circumstances and situations that we are going through. We want to depend on you for strength and we want to commit Mr. Peter into your hands right now as he speaks to us. Give him wisdom and give us hearts that are yielding towards obedience in your name. This we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The hashtag there is like, seriously? How can those who mourn be blessed people? And how are they going to be comforted? Allow me to say that this is one of the strangest statements in the Bible. It is both a paradox and a mystery. Blessed are those who mourn. And now these are words that were said by Jesus. In other words, he says, happy are the sad. How now? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. One of my professors in college taught me, sometimes when you look at a text, look at it with all your senses. So critically, blessed are those who mourn, they shall be comforted. How is that possible? So here is a few questions I've asked myself. Who are the mourners? Why are they mourning? Why are they sad? How are they going to be comforted? What type of comfort is Jesus talking about? 
And why would the Lord allow them to mourn in the first place? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. You see, the question to why does God allow grief even among the most committed believers, the innocent, and sometimes even to the already broken and grieving. Why does the Lord allow this? The answer is tucked in Deuteronomy 29, 29. And the answer is rather a bit radical. It says, Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. My good friend Ray Pritchard says, God has his reasons, but he's not obligated to explain them to us. Hmm, That's tough. He just cannot, you cannot trust God's footsteps. You cannot know what he's up to next. In fact, to all our questions, to all our why questions, God simply replies in Exodus 3.14, I am who I am. I am who I am. Please note, the answer is in the person, not the explanation. So let's wrestle again with this verse when we think about grieving. And Matthew 5.4 says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. In other words, the way to be blessed is to mourn, and the way to be happy is sad. Here are some observations from that verse for our understanding. When the Bible says, blessed are those who mourn, number one, the first implication is, God doesn't expect me to be happy all the time. God doesn't expect me to be happy all the time. Ecclesiastes 3.4 qualifies this when it says there's a time for everything and a season for every activity. Now, when you became a Christian, if they lie to you that uh, all your problems are solved, no more pain, There'll be no more sorrow. They lied to you. That's not true gospel. The fact of life is, as long as we are in this land of the dying, going to the land of the living, there will be seasons in life where you could lose your health. You could lose your wealth. You could lose your dream. You could lose your job. You could lose your siblings, you could lose your spouse, you could lose your money, you could lose everything that you're holding to so dearly. So when the Bible says, blessed are those who mourn, it actually qualifies that not everything will go our way. And the reality is we are in the land of the dying, going to the land of the living. Secondly, It also qualifies the fact that grief is essential for my health. 
Grief is essential for my emotional health. It's essential for my physical health. Grief is essential for my mental health. It's essential for my psychological health. Grief is essential for my environmental health. Put in other words, if you don't grieve, you're out of touch with reality of the world. You are living in denial because God uses grief to transition us into the next seasons of life. And he says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Grief becomes unhealthy when you repress it or when you suppress it. Repressing grief is when you unconsciously block it. And suppressing it is when you consciously block it. When you go something like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want even anybody to talk about it. You are suppressing it. When you repress and suppress, you end up in depression. If I don't let it out in healthy ways, I will let it out in unhealthy ways. When you don't grieve, you will be stuck. When you swallow negative emotion, you will be sick. I told us last week that there's a lady who lost both of his parents and the younger sister, and she wanted to be strong for the entire family and being a Christian. She never mourned. She never even shed a tear. But one month after that, the doctor's report indicated that her heart had enlarged. She was having a heart condition, and they believe it's because she suppressed the pain, suppressed the grief. Blessed are those mourn. Why? Because grieving is a healthy emotion. Now, there is a misnomer. There is a, a myth that says you can go over grief. I submit to us this evening that you cannot go over grief. You cannot go under grief. You can only go through grief. That is very important. You cannot go over grief. You cannot go under grief. You can only go through grief. One of the most damaging myths in, is that some psychologists uh, continually have argued that there are stages of grieving. And most of them base their argument from Dr. Elizabeth Kubaros work, who has widely been used to argue that when grieving, you'll go through denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and uh, these stages are systematic. However, the truth is, uh, what most students of counseling forget is that Dr. Elizabeth Kubaros original intent of the research work was in hospital on dying patients. Patients who had been diagnosed with cancer, who are dying, they'd gotten a bad report and they were handling grief. 
it was not a case study for people who had died and were going through grief. It was for those who had been diagnosed. And therefore, those stages might not necessarily be for someone who is going through grief and dying. Before her death, Dr. Kubelos went ahead to leave a clue on the front page of her original manuscript, a book called Death and the Dying. If you get the book, you'll see what I'm talking about. And she left this quote, what the dying can teach doctors, nurses, clergy, and family. Therefore, the stages of grief were not meant for those who have lost something, but for those who had received a bad report, terminal illness. I say that to say it is important for us to note also when we help people are grieving that there is no closure in grief. When you think you have it, it only takes one thing to trigger the bleeding again. You can experience pain, withdrawal, betrayal, and joy at the same time. And that's why for good grief recovery, you never hear people say you will heal. We recover from grief. We cope with grief. And when the Bible says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted, it makes a lot of sense. As long as we are in this life, we are going to grief. As long as we are in this life, the best we can do is to cope with grief because we are in the land of the dying, going to the land of the living. And therefore, these things will happen to us. Having said that, here are some take-homes for us, a few applications to help us as we think about blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. A biblical response on how to handle grief. Number one, please remember that God draws us close to himself when we are grieving. God draws us close to himself when we are grieving. Psalm 34 verse 18. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a concrete spirit. Wow. In other words, the application here is what you feel and what is real are not necessarily the same. When you feel abandoned, when you feel like God is not close to you, he's actually close to you. He's actually close to you. Baby Mason in her song said, and when you cannot see his hand, trust his heart. What you feel and what is real are not always the same because the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a concrete spirit. The Lord was near to his son when he said, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? When Christ was grieving, he was near and the Lord is near to you even today. Secondly, God does not only draw close to us, as to himself when you're grieving, but secondly, God grieves with us. That's huge. God grieves with us. You know why? Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image. We've been made in the image of Christ. So he mourns with us. He feels what we are going through. You will note that in Genesis 9 verse 11, God said, Thus I establish my covenant with you, 
never again shall I, shall all flesh be cut off the waters of the floods. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. He grieved over the nature that had been destroyed. God grieves with us. And of course, in Isaiah 53, verse 3, he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. He grieves with us. John eleven thirty three. Jesus wept. For men to show emotion, I submit to us, it is not a sign of weakness. In African culture, we sometimes believe that a, a man should not cry, should not show emotion. Put in other words, weak men are the ones who are afraid to show emotion. Strong men cry, grieve for the right reason. So number one, God draws us close to himself. God grieves with us. And number three, for me, this is very, very important. God gives a church family for grief support. God gives a church family for grief support. God never intended that anyone goes through grief alone. Healing comes through community, communion, and connection. Coping with grief comes through community, communion, and connection. You cannot grieve secretly and heal. Hear me. It's not possible. Every believer needs a small group, a cell group, a church family. Ministry of small groups is irreplaceable. Is irreplaceable. I was in Uganda uh, teaching in the African Bible Institute. And uh, one of the evenings, one of the staff was gracious enough to take me out with the husband for dinner. And it's interesting, as we started talking about COVID, he said something very interesting. He said that one of the doctors said that in the infant stages of COVID pandemic, COVID-19 pandemic, most people who died should not have died. The reason they died is because of isolation. There was no support that they needed. And that's very true. Grief support is important. And God has provided church family for that. You either need help or you should be comforting someone. In other words, be available. Be available. C.S. Lewis was even quoted today. But C.S. Lewis is amazing. And that brings us to our last point as I wrap up. The last point I have is God uses grief to help us grow. C.S. Lewis said, God whispers to us in our pleasure, but shouts to us in our pain. Hmm. That's deep. Rick Warren says, we rarely change when we see the light. We change when we feel the heat, God uses grief to help us grow. Sometimes God uses pain to get our attention. It is believed that uh, many prisoners of war were taken to the 
concentration camps in World War II, but most of them died because of the conditions and the pain that was there. But a study further showed that most of those who survived in the concentration camps are only those who found purpose in pain. They found purpose in pain. Think of a mother crying one time in labor pain, but the next minute she's holding a baby and laughing. Think of an athlete who is endured and is not laughing, is in pain, but as they cross the finishing line, they're winning the jackpot. God uses grief to help us grow. And you see, for Christians, greatest test of life is not how you handle victories, but how you handle pain in your life. It will shock you to note that in funerals, we don't grieve the loss. We grieve us. No wonder Bible says in Revelations 21.4, I will wipe every tear from your eyes. You know why? Because blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. It's interesting because sometimes your greatest ministry will come out of your deepest heart. You need to comfort or you need to be comforted. Sometimes God wants you to do both at the same time. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I think it's important for me to say as I close that grief is essentially necessary because grief affects or happens in the heart, not our minds. Grief happens in our hearts, not our minds. And issues of the heart are delicate. And one of the ways you can heal your heart is by letting it out. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. May the Lord comfort us and may the Lord encourage our hearts. Amen. Mr. Peter, I don't know if you have ever had this explanation on Psalm 23 before, but it kind of supports the point that you just made that in grief, God draws us close to himself. And I forget where I read this. It must have been C.H. Spurgeon uh, teaching on Psalm 23 um, when he observed that in verse 1, 2, 3, there's a pronoun being used in description of God. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then he begins to describe what God does. And he's using the word he, he, he. And he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. But he comes to verse 4 and you notice a difference right there when he says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. He could have chosen to say, For he is with me. But he says, For you are with me. And says, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And it may be a very subtle 
um, application or meaning, but you realize where he's describing God and the Lord. And when you're talking about someone who is not with you, you would say, oh, by the way, that guy, he, he does this, he does this, he did this, he does this. But when he is there and you're talking to the person himself, you can't talk to Peter right there next to you. And you say, oh, Peter, by the way, he is looking very good. No, you would say, Peter, you are looking very good. And at this point Mm. is when Spurgeon says, you know, in all the other places, when he's restoring our soul, when he's leading besides quiet waters, you can talk about him as who he is, as if he is far. But the Savior himself, at that point, when he's leading the ship through the valley of the shadow of death, he is not in front for them to follow. He is not behind, but he literally moves and he is amidst the ship. And he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. And uh, I think it is true, if you think about it, that uh, if anything, God has seen death, literally looked at death in the face. He has died before, and he will tell you that, hey, look here, I know what it means to die, and I've overcome. There is hope. There is hope. I am here with you. And I think that is one of the things that we really fear so much, death either for a family member or for us as individuals. But let's remember that God is with us. God is with us. He grieves with us and uh, he gives the church family for grief. Thank you so much. I like the way you're using some of these acronyms for easy remembrance when he says community. We need community. We need communion and we need to Mm. connect. And every believer needs a small group. Ah, I wish you could say that again. (laughs) I wish you could say that again. Every believer needs a small group. Now, this is where the challenge is. And I asked you this question the the, the first time we were together. Um, Because honestly, this is a challenge right now, uh, Mr. Peter. We don't have, a Zoom group is not the same as a physical group. A WhatsApp group, you might be the admin, but my friend, it's it is not the same it is just not the same how can we make do with what we have and i'm talking on behalf of the ugandans uh, right now the kenyans are free to fly wherever they want to fly will be with their friends but right now they're even talking about extending this lockdown okay they've been talking and uh we just don't know what is going to happen but it is difficult for this small group to happen it is not impossible there's a way we can make it happen but is there a way we can we can find comfort with people who are not present uh, right now? Is there anything you can give as a piece of advice? How have you been able to handle, Mr. Peter? Because I know your lockdown is not new to you. You are a pastor. Uh, I know you depend on other godly men. Uh, some of them you cycle with. Do I have a problem with where you cycle? It's all flat ground. There are no hills. There is nothing. I don't even know what you'd be doing in the morning. But how have, you handled, the abs- <laughs> how have you handled the absence of uh, a physical contact? Um, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, uh, that's a good question. Uh, you see, reality, there is what we, 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 we read in books, but there's then what is reality. Because again, um, we have to be to be to be Christians who obey the law. Um, 
we have to do what is right. The, the most effective support right now is phone call, is uh, doing the Zoom that you're talking about. Uh, because if you cannot, if, if you cannot have the Ministry of Presence, uh, if that cannot happen, we can just work with what we have. Um, and then remember, uh, grief does not end uh, in a day. Mm. And uh, mm. real grief starts when the music fades, when mm. the curtains are closed, when people have left after a loss, that's when it really hits hard. And uh, COVID is here with us for some time. Mm. And uh, now the, the, the gospel agency is to, 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 to present the gospel and not to waste time to present it in a, a very clear way and also to support. And then nothing can replace prayer. Prayer mm. is effective. Prayer, prayer works. Mm. And... Uh, what could be more encouraging than for us knowing that God is with us where we are. So it's mm -hmm. the reality of life. And again, we don't want you to, to get into trouble. There's a time, uh, a few, I think three, four months ago, mm. there's a season in a span of two weeks, we lost about seven pastors. That was very scary. And uh, you, we live in not that uh, it's, it's just because some of them were careless and I'm um, saying this very respectively or they were never protected by uh, those around them or they wanted to play God. They wanted to play God to be everywhere. Uh, so holding each other accountable and supporting uh, those who are far away, but a phone call would make a difference. Prayer, just letting someone know that you're praying for them just letting them know that it's not because this is a very different type of war. Mm. You're fighting and you're guarding yourself, and uh, the war is in the air, so it's 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 a bit tricky. Yeah, so let's it, it's it's tricky. I don't have all the answers. <laughs> I'm glad to know. Glad to know. Um, mm. Why? Because I don't even know. But when you kept saying that, I I did remember that those were moments that really made a difference even in my own life um i'm one guy who likes to go out um mm. and i don't eat simple food there's a particular amount of food that i eat when we go out with some men but now that mm. cannot happen but today i was checking on my laptop and i realized i had a screenshot of a very good friend who lives miles and miles away and the screenshot mm. was his picture my picture in the background and then I had an article open on the computer and he had the same article opened on his phone and we were reviewing huh. this article together. Mm -hmm. And it's like he was right there in the sitting room with me. And then today I got another phone call, a video call from another friend who just simply called a WhatsApp video. I pick up and the guy goes like, oh, by the way, David, I've been praying for you and Grace and I just wanted to see how you guys are doing. And that, that speaks volumes. And he say, mm -hmm. asking, how is mom? And how is, I've been praying for you. It may not be the physical group, small group, mm -hmm. 
but I think it spoke volumes uh, to know mm. that uh, someone is praying. And I think we can make use of the technology that we have. If you're not feeling well, you think you're sliding into a place mm. of depression, give someone a call and say, hey, would you like to pray for me? I know we are afraid where this information will be taken. Is it going to be posted on social media and things like that? Mm -hmm. Find a couple of friends that you trust so you mm -hmm. can be able to talk to. Now, I do have some three questions here that have just come in. Actually, four. I think there are four. Uh, Timo is saying thank you uh, so much, Mr. Peter. Question, how do we avoid extremes? Some ministers incline their ministry more on mourning while others incline their ministry on victory, stroke joy every time. How can a young believer be helped before they get tossed to and fro? That is from Timothy. Very solid question. Last last week when we started uh, this, the last time we started the series, I did mention that uh, uh, to be specific, the church is in Africa is guilty for spending more time talking about joy, faith, health, wealth, and we've said nothing on even helping people how to grieve and managing dark times. Yet the Bible is full of that. We, You take the book of James, you take the book of Job and go through them and you see all that. And so uh, the truth is what, what they're asking is very genuine. Uh, if God was to ever add a beatitude among the beatitudes that we have, it would be blessed are the balanced. <laughs> blessed are the balanced. I think it, it's very important to have that balance because uh, in, when Christ is praying for us in John 17, he does mention that uh, he has called us, he saved us out of the world, but we are still in the world and is expecting us to be separated from the world because he wants to send us in the same world. And so it's very, very significant for us to keep the balance. And yes, um, my friend, I, I do I do admit, Timo, there, there are preachers who take one side. They talk more on victory and joy, which is okay, but the balance is also very important for one to be all rounded and the scripture also emphasizes in second Timothy and says all, all scripture, all scripture is profitable for doctrine, for correction, for reproof, mm -hmm. that the man of God might be thoroughly equipped. So let's 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 preach the whole counsel of God. Mm -hmm. I, I really appreciate that that that's a very good question and comment and observation. Good job, Timo. Amen. Amen. I think the others are not really questions for us to answer, but someone here called Martin Juko, who might have been a student of yours at the Africa Bible Institute, is asking for your number. And with your permission, I think I will be able to give it to them. I don't think you can say no live on Cabin Devils, Mr. Peter Odana, can you? Uh, my number is strictly uh, public. Okay. My <laughs> no, it is okay. <laughs> it is okay. Right. You can give, I'd love to catch up with him. <laughs> I'd really awesome, love to do awesome. that. I'll pass on that phone number um, mm. to him. And uh, let me see. These are some of the comments coming in from Mr. Robert Balambula. He says, I thank God for Peter Odanga. 
Um, and then the last comment there, he says, small groups are magical in bringing our God to those among us that mourn and grieve. We cannot underscore the value of small groups reaching out with God's love. And I think mm-hmm. I want to add a point to what Mr. Robert is saying. It's it's mm-hmm. more than being present. It's, it's more than... Uh, uh, praying. Um, I'm not saying those two are irrelevant, but when he mm-hmm. says to be able to reach out, my understanding is an arm that is reaching out for support, an arm that is giving something. In as much as mm-hmm. even the person giving might be in need, we are not waiting for moments when we are rich. I don't think that time will ever come, uh, but we reach out with what we have. And the same way, right. when we can't deliver the food, you cannot deliver the matoke mobile money will get delivered and uh, just send yes. a message 5,000 shillings is okay Ugandan shillings is okay um, 3,000 is okay um, airtime is okay 100 megabytes are okay for someone to stay online with friends and so don't think whatever you're giving or supporting is little it's using that resource to bless another person one last question it is right on top of the hour as we speak and we're coming to the end of our show, but I'd like Mr. Peter to give us a glimpse of what we are going to be talking about this coming Wednesday as part three of our um, topic on grief. Mr. Peter, give us a glimpse of what we are going to be talking about on Wednesday. Next Wednesday, we co- we'll be talking about hope beyond grief. Hope beyond grief. And uh, we will start first of all by helping us understand what we should never say to mm-hmm. people we are grieving. Uh, we'll look at that and then we'll dive straight into Romans 8.28 and uh, try to unpack that verse and understand uh, what it really means and just for our encouragement to know that mm-hmm. there is hope even beyond grief. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Mr. Peter. Let me let you know, guys, that I'm going to be posting a link on uh, our Instagram page that has the notes of what Mr. Peter has been talking about today. So go to Instagram and like our page, Cabin Devils, for you to be able to receive these notes. And uh, let me encourage you also to join the WhatsApp group that we have that reminds guys when Cabin Devils is live. But most importantly, Please check out the Instagram page and follow. Click the follow button. And then uh, right there, I'm going to be posting the link to the notes of what Mr. Peter has been talking about today and the previous one on uh, on Grief. Otherwise, have a good night, guys, and we will see you on Wednesday. If you're going to listen to a podcast before you go to bed, you, you can as well grow in your faith. Cabin Devils. Cabin Devils. Your number one live podcast. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 9 p.m. East African Time.